So just so you kind of know, I'm I'm still reading my 10 pages a day, and we're going to be a little behind as we talk, and I'm going to try to get ahead or continue to be ahead so that I sort of know what I'm talking about. But this is, I'm learning right alongside with you is the moral of the story. So that yesterday we covered what the practice, the, the reco- recovery dharma practice was which was renunciation, meditation, meetings, the path, inquiry and investigation, sangha, which is wise friends and mentors, and growths. I'm going to kick off today starting to talk about the Buddha a little more, and I think I actually said that instead of Dharma, so I apologize, but trying to understand Buddha. So one of the very first things I learned that I didn't, no at all like I I guess I I know that there's all these quotes from Buddha so and I've heard a story about a man which I'll get into in a second but I didn't realize there was actually two ways that the word Buddha is used so in the book it asks what does the Buddha have to do with recovery and it explains that one way the word is used is to mean awakened And it also is the title given to the man from the story, Siddhartha Gautama. Yeah, I knew I probably butchered that. I'm sorry, Buddha man. A man who lived in modern day Nepal and India roughly 2,500 years ago. And I'll ad lib this story because I had I had heard some of it. Essentially, this man was was in a grew up in a very rich family, maybe royalty, and he wasn't satisfied. He couldn't, he couldn't get completely satisfied. I'm reading just to make sure I'm not telling you the wrong things. So the story goes that he, he snuck away from his palace and saw people suffering in all kinds of ways. And, you know, old age, sickness, and death. And he realized that his privilege and his wealth couldn't protect him from this. Wealth couldn't prevent it. Comfort couldn't prevent it. Pleasure couldn't prevent it. Prevent it you know, the, the age and the sickness and those kinds of things. And he was feeling very dissatisfied and found that even with all this great money and everything that he still didn't feel like that was enough. The There's a word, who knew, for a persistent dissatisfaction with life, and it's referred to as dukkha. And I guess it's a word we still use today, although I haven't. The book says that all humans experience it and that folks with addiction are experiencing it with worse worse consequences and at a higher level. 
the other word I'm going to call out. Oh, so I'm sorry. So he understood. He was seeing that pain was part of life. And he, he was trying to figure out how to end pain. So he tried to... Um, he was meditating for a long time in uncomfortable positions. He wasn't really eating or sleeping very much. He even tried breathing very little. So he was, he knew that material stuff couldn't end comfort. So he was trying to do all the opposite things of material stuff to see if that helped. And he realized that the extremes of both, you know, the richness and the poorness and the pleasure and the denial didn't get him any closer to being in liberation, as they call it. As time went on, he he found this tree called a Bodhi, Bodhi, Bodhi tree. And when he was, all right, this is the way it reads, so I don't screw this up. What Siddhartha found meditating under the Bodhi tree is what we refer to as Dharma or the truth. It's the path it's what the path of Buddhism is based on. Central to the path are four noble truths and eightfold, and the eightfold path, which will be explained in the next chapter. So that's what I thought we would start with is we'll start looking into these truths and exploring some of these questions. So Buddha was a real man and Buddha means awakened. So just that alone was interesting to me. Because I've heard it, like when people meditate, they talk about it. But I, and I always, once I heard the story about the man, I used to think it had to do with just the man. So here are the four normal truths, which they call the Dharma. And this is the foundation of the Dharma recovery program. Number one, there is suffering. We commit to understand the truth of suffering. Number two, there is a cause of suffering. We commit to understanding the craving leads to suffering. Number three, there is an end to suffering. We commit to understanding and experiencing that less craving leads to less suffering. And number four, there is a path that leads to the end of suffering. We commit to cultivating the path. Oh my goodness. Like I feel like that's everything I believe in, even though I've never heard it called this way. So the first truth, the first noble truth is that there is suffering. All right, I'm trying to think of what I want to tell you here. I don't want to like read the whole book to you, so that's where it is. So th- I'm going to call out some of this. Um, many, many of us have tried, have suffered by trying and failing to control our disp- dependencies, habits, and addiction. We've used every kind of willpower, bargaining, planning, and magical thinking. Each time, imagining the result would be different and beating ourselves (laughs) up when it turned out the same. I was just talking about this today, so I'm kind of giggling. How many times did we promise just this last one time, then I'm done? I'll just use or drink on the weekends or only after work or only on special occasions. I'll never drink or gamble, whatever, in the morning. I won't do the hard stuff. I'll never do it alone. I won't do it at work or around family. There's all these rationale. That's what these things are, you know, to kind of minimize it. 
Just like how many diets have we tried, it asks. You know, how many times have we said we wouldn't binge or purge or restrict calories? And it goes through and does a little bit more examples. And with cutting, it gets into how many times do we attempt to cure our addictions with therapy, self-help books, cleanses, more exercise, changing a job or a relationship? How many times did we move thinking our shadow wouldn't follow us? How many promises did we make? How many times did we break those promises? Yeah, there's a lot of suffering in there. So as addicts, we understand that addiction is suffering. We suffer when we obsess. We suffer when we cling and grasp onto all the delusions of addiction and all the impermanent solutions to our discomfort and pain. We've tried to cure it by by changing substances or drug of choice or gambling habits and behaviors, but they create more discomfort and pain. In all our attempts to control our habits, we've been clinging to the illusion we could somehow control our experiences. We're still caught in the prison of suffering. In fact, the more we suffer, the more we're reinforcing the walls of that prison, building them taller and stronger as we act in our addiction. Liberation comes when we gain a clear understanding of where real power lies and where we are throwing it away. This program is about empowerment. It's a path of letting go of behavior that no longer serves us and cultivating that which does. So that was a lot to digest. So I'm going to stop there and we'll get it, the next part goes into trauma and we'll talk about that tomorrow. I'm really enjoying this book and it's, Again, I don't know the language or didn't know the language until reading it right now. Um, but these are all the things that throughout my journey, I'm starting starting to uncover, you know, the vicious cycle of addiction, the fact that trauma plays into it, that the more we use, the more we gamble, the worse it gets, the, the suffering and the pain. And then the more the suffering and the pain, the more we gamble. And it's all these vicious circles. So... I'm going to recommend this book, guys. Uh, Recovery Dharma is what it's called. It doesn't have an author. Oh, re- recoverydharma.org. So it's like an individual. It's a, not an individual. It must be a group kind of thing. Yeah. How to use Buddhist practices and principles to, ha- to heal from the suffering of addiction. So this is good stuff. And uh, I'm going to break it down for two reasons. I'll try to pretend like we actually stay close to the 10 minutes every once in a while. But also so we can kind of digest it. It's a, it's a lot. And um, yeah, so we'll revisit that. Maybe some more tomorrow night. I'm supposed to go to a, a GA picnic tomorrow. I'm hoping to make it. And um, who knows, I might come home with some value bombs from there. So we'll see what shows up tomorrow night as we talk on the show. Alright guys, I hope that you kick off the weekend well and I will talk to you soon. Love you get what you wish for. And you're well.